1: You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story.
0: I don't scan stuff at all. Like I didn't have my burner phone with me and I didn't want to scan it because you never can tell. But anyways, as you guys saw that it featured a QR code to scan to mint one of 10,000 free dragon eggs, which are part of the Games Ethereum NFT project. And it's a Web3 gaming startup, Limit Break, and they paid $6.5 million for the ad. And some of the viewers say the QR code took them to the Twitter instead of the Mint, which I believe it wasn't even the company. It was somebody that was affiliated with the project. But I think I saw um, Christy's hand up if you want to go ahead and tackle this oh. one. <laughs>
1: that's funny. It wasn't even so much a hand up as I was like, you know, agreeing with you. Oh. Okay, good. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, please, please, please don't be scanning random QR codes that show up on a TV or on Twitter because people repost it because you don't know where that's going. You don't know what that's going to do to your device. That is a horrible, horrible thing to do. And as evidenced by this, okay, I just want to point out that on Sunday, George kalidis wrote an article about how happy he was, there wasn't going to be any crypto ads, and it's going to be excerpted for the Node uh, Today newsletter, and you should all read it, because part of it is about crypto hubris and executives, and how these companies um, are buying these crypto ads and they are actually doing it more for their own ego, probably, than for anything else. Like, look what we got, look where we are. And then it goes to this. I mean, if you look at some of the Twitter after the fact, people are calling it a rug pull. People are it. People are calling it all kinds of nasty things. Uh, some people managed to actually get the um, the uh, NFTs, but a lot of people didn't, and they're feeling scammed. And What a horrible look for crypto again, again, like that is part of the reason that George was very happy not to have any crypto ads was because in the long run, it hasn't actually been good for crypto and good for actual, you know, people, projects that are valid. So anyway, you should read the article because it's brilliant. Uh, Will, I also saw your hand go up.
3: Yeah, let's go back to that number, $6.5 million. And I don't think they paid $6.5 million for that advertisement. They did pay $6.5 million for that ad space though, because that was a terrible, terrible commercial. Looks looked like I was watching Saturday morning cartoons and they just threw that up there in the QR code. I was actually like taken back a little bit. There was another commercial that made it seem like you were going into a different app on your TV and it caught a lot of people off guard. They thought like, oh, am I still watching the Super Bowl? And that's kind of how this commercial was to me. I saw it, and I was like, what's going on here? Like, am I still watching the Super Bowl or did someone sit on the remote? That's how I sort of took the whole situation. And it was like pretty... Cringy, just all around. Like even going to the tech, right? Like click into this QR code, you go to the Twitter account, the CEO who's running this NFT thing, and then from there you can go onto OpenSea and purchase this weird, weird, weird NFT, this digital collectible. So it was basically on par. Like last year, we had like FTX and Coinbase these big flashy commercials, and this year, when crypto's down in the dumps, we have an equally bad commercial. So I think it was very on brand for this year. Zach, to you.
4: I mean, yeah. Remember when there was so much money spent on Super Bowl commercials last year? Remember when there was money in the industry to waste and spend lavishly on such uh, advertising spots? I mean, that was, that was so crazy. Wow. That was so distant nice. that one year ago. And here we are. And this is the best that the crypto industry could muster is this NFT drop. Hey, man. I mean, for the folks who were able to flip it, congrats to them. They get the crypto hustle. They say, okay. Everyone's talking about this thing. Maybe there's some people who will be exit liquidity for me if I claim this and list it soon enough with the expectation that this is going to grow in value. Congrats to them. They played the game well. But yeah, I was just struck by the night and day difference between this year's Super Bowl and Crypto's Presence and last year's Super Bowl and Crypto's Presence, which was rather staggering in retrospect. But Wendy, I'm going to toss it to you.
0: Really quick, I do want to add that it was a free mint. So people didn't actually have to pay anything besides, I believe, the gas fees. And I just think that like people watching the Super Bowl were kind of confused as to what the heck was going on. But it was kind of... I mean, it was a free mint, so that was good. But I think that their uh, marketing budget could have spent better elsewhere because it just seemed very egotistical. It was just a really weird thing that occurred. But shout out to anybody who got in on the free mint, uh, made a little bit of money, and you guys, please don't use your cell phones for doing things like this. That's very scary. And you shouldn't be keeping MetaMask on your cell phone anyways, unless it's a burner phone. But that's just my little thing. Zach, go ahead with our next story. Tuesday's top story.
3: Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Come on. Yeah. A little love here on, on the Come on, Zach. Right? You Happy missed Valentine's it. Day. Turn over to Binance Land. We have more information about the BUSD lawsuit between Paxos and the SEC with Changpeng Zhao, or CZ, as he's commonly referred to in industry. He is the CEO of Binance, which, is, uh, which uses the BUSD stablecoin. Uh, Paxos is the issuer and audits the BUSD stablecoin. The SEC is going after it, after labeling it unregistered security. This, of course, has great importance for Binance, which uses this stablecoin for the entirety of its ecosystem. There's billions of BUSD out there in Ether, and people use it to trade on Binance quite a bit. And now that the SEC is going against Paxos, the issuer of BUSD, that portends some trouble for Binance. CZ in a Twitter spaces and in a Twitter thread yesterday said that they are distancing themselves a little bit from this, saying that, hey, we don't create it. Paxos creates us. We just allow them to license our name and to create the coin. and then we use it. And we might have some reserves for it, but it's not really us. This is more a Paxos issue, he said in that Twitter thread. A little bit of an interesting stance. I think this is more important for Binance than he's necessarily letting on. Of course, this is a bigger repercussions for the crypto industry. Stable coins are the denominator for all trading activity. Used to be Bitcoin. If you wanted to buy Ether or another, uh, another coin out there, you would use Bitcoin as a denominator. Nowadays, you use a stablecoin and BUSD is one of the three largest stablecoins. So if the SEC does go against the stablecoin issuer or Paxos, it does succeed and labeling it an unregistered security. well, we have big problems for the crypto industry. Wendy, you are a trader on the show. Tell me a little bit what's going on here. Is this FUD or not?
0: This is actually kind of bearish for me. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I want to kind of talk about it from a trader's perspective. I remember when I first started trading, you always traded in like Bitcoin pairs and you had to learn how to, you know, do the dosage calculations. And I say it like that is because I worked in healthcare and we had to convert stuff, whatever. But I think it was so cool to be able to actually have more options of stable coins to trade in depending on what exchange you're using and whatnot. I remember for a long time, there was only Tether and it was kind of complex because not all exchanges had it. And we didn't have, we had MetaMask, but people weren't really using MetaMask like that. But so this is a sad story to me to kind of see this happen, especially with Binance, because... You know, I don't like to see negative competition in the market when it impacts other people. And I also think that this is par for the core for when we do get a CBDC that's going to be coming in. I think that the US government needs to have complete control before that they can go ahead and issue that. And I do think that the stablecoin or the CBDC will be USDC for reasons. I don't think I need to get my tin foil crown on, but. I don't like that there's all this drama happening with the stable coins. We do need to actually have stable coins that make trading a lot easier and they make investing a lot easier for average folks because you're not having to convert and do all that stuff all the time. So I don't know. That's my take on it. I'm not happy about all the drama behind the scenes, but it is crypto. I think it was Jen's hand that was up.
2: It was. On the news, withdrawals on Binance surged. So about $831 million left Binance in the last 24 hours. And so I think CZ's comments. Really are to ease users, to ease customers, right? This is not the first time in this market that we've seen that mass amount of withdrawals on Binance, especially with with what's happening with centralized exchanges. I think CZ. I I remember. I think it was like probably a year and a half ago on the show. I brought up that um, game show, you know, where people get hit by like all of the like large Q-tips and things, and yeah. I said. Binance is like going through that with regulations and then things eased with Binance and I feel like CZ is back out here in the public. You know, just trying not to get hit by things and he so far is doing a good job. So far Binance is showing that they can stand the large withdrawals, they can stand the regulatory news and the negative news with centralized exchanges. So I'm going to simp for Binance during this segment and say, I think that they have done a great job given everything that's come their way, Zach.
4: It's American Gladiators. I don't know if they struck American from the title (laughs) in Canada, but it's American Gladiators, (laughs) the show that you're referencing, which is the best show of all time. Anyway, uh, I think it's a little bit suspect that CZ is throwing Paxos under the bus here a little bit, right? I think when BUSD came out with Paxos' involvement, it was like a credibility win for Binance. It's like, hey, we're working with like a highly regulated firm in the US to issue this stablecoin that has our name on it. This is awesome. We rule. This is great. So now for this to be occurring here uh, when times aren't, aren't quite as good, it seems a bit, a bit suspect to me. And I think that's a little bit of a weird move. I believe that there are two BUSDs and I'm gonna just sound the alarm on this one over and over again. There's like the proper BUSD with reserves that exist through Paxos there's also the BUSD that exists on BNB chain. So there, are, there is sort of this confusion of things that is occurring here. Um, so I think just that added note of clarity is important. But I want to throw it to Jen for her thoughts. She, she raised her hand.
2: Yeah, I, I, I saw that CZ was also addressing the reports that Circle was the one to uh, alert regulators to look into this. And he said, you know, he doesn't really believe that Circle would do that. A professional industry peer would want to do that to another industry peer. I thought that was rich coming from CZ. So I'm just going to flip sides. I simped at the beginning of the segment and I was like, CZ, aren't you the one who's out here always calling out all your other industry peers? So I thought that was kind of hilarious. And I wonder what the motivation was there, Wendy.
0: I just think there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. And there's a lot of meeting going on things are going to get very, 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 very interesting. And I'm glad that CZ is out and talking about this. And I just want to know, if the re- is the report actually true? Did Circle actually blow the whistle, as Too Short would say?
4: Well, that's a good Too Short reference, Wendy. I appreciate that. The, the, the Bay Area rap scene <laughs> undervalued. But I don't think that they're going to probably come out and say one way or the other whether or not they snitch on a competitor in this instance. So this one will probably have to remain within the realm of reported via unnamed sources. But I could be wrong. We, we may see some clarity on that.
3: Who knows? Last point I want to bring up really quick is that Reuters report from early January that did disclose that there was a $1 billion shortfall in BOSD in its history, right? So not currently, but in its history, there have been a shortfall that had not been caught by the Binance team. Uh, again, that might be the other BSD that you are speaking about here, Zach, but at the very least, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in the whole stablecoin regime
1: thursday's top story
5: mount gox one of the earliest and at the time largest bitcoin exchanges which went broke back in 2014 after suspiciously losing most of the client funds held within it has been in bankruptcy now for a very long time but there does appear to be a light at the end of the tunnel creditors have been presented with two options now take a slightly smaller recovery today in a combination of bitcoin bitcoin cash and yen which the exchange still has on hand or wait for a later recovery paid in cash that might be higher but might also be lower. Creditors who choose to wait might also be waiting for quite a while, as long as a decade potentially, while related litigation involving the company proceeds. Given that choice, the two largest creditors have decided to take payments sooner rather than later. Uh, And that means that market watchers, at least some of them, are happy, uh, since the payments will be made without first selling Bitcoin into the market itself, which some people think will be better for price stability and stuff like that. Zach, we've been following this story for a long time. What's your take on it today? Yeah, good reporting here on this one.
4: I'm talking to sources who are involved in this. This has been, you know, something that's been unfolding for a number of years. Almost a decade later, we have a bit of resolution. I think this also indicates how long some of the more uh, new crypto bankruptcies may take to unfold. But I think people have been watching this one closely. And obviously, the fear was that this would cause some, some Bitcoin liquidation in the market that would tank prices If these sources are to be believed, then that seems to have been avoided for the time being. And this little Bitcoin rally that we've been seeing in the markets the last couple of days could continue apace. So anyway, this is something that I think people have been watching, obviously, for a long time. And it seems like we're getting a bit more information as this thing, I think, comes toward a conclusion maybe by the end of this year. That's sort of what I've been hearing from folks. But anyway, interesting to see this development. I'm going to toss it to Will for his thoughts.
3: I don't have a lot of thoughts on Mt. Gox, I'm not going to lie. Uh, way before my time, I was still in middle school, and this all went down. But I will talk a little bit about Bitcoin price, okay? Let's talk about Bitcoin price. Year-to-date since January 1st, we were up 50%. This week, it's up 10%. And I think this is pretty pleasing to most Bitcoin enthusiasts. That's what I think. But I also think that there might be some connection here with the Mt. Gox story or at least we're going to say there is a little bit of a connection here just to uh, give ourselves like a little bit of a backing for why Bitcoin's price is going up. Oftentimes, the Mt. Gox story is kind of rolled out. I feel like every six months we have a similar story. There's some sort of development about coins are going to sell or coins are not going to sell. It's a significant portion of coins, right? That's held up in this, uh, in this dispute. And guess what? If they sell the coins, well, people expect the price of Bitcoin to go down. If those coins are locked up for longer, people expect the price of Bitcoin to go up. And here, as we see in the story, if these coins are never sold into fiat but kept into Bitcoin and the people who are creditors get those Bitcoins and decide to hold them, well, then um, we also think that's probably a positive price. So I have to get, take the, the crypto-windy angle here today since she's not here on the show. Got to talk a little bit about price. Jen, I'll throw it over to you.
2: Yeah, I zeroed in on just how long that the litigation could possibly take. So I think, Adam, you mentioned in your intro, they said it could be another five to 10 years when I read the story this morning, I just thought about all of the bankruptcies that we're seeing unfold right now, all of the creditors who are wondering when they are going to get any money back, if any. And it just made me just so not optimistic for these bankruptcy proceedings. I think and I hope that some solutions and resolutions can come up for the people who are suffering as a result of this fair market. But reading this just made me think like, ugh, oh, we've seen this happen before and we're still trying to solve some of those issues. But Adam, I saw your hand go up.
5: Yeah, there's a couple of other interesting angles to this story too. Um, I think uh, first off, the amount of Bitcoin we're talking about here is I believe 120,000 Bitcoin. So it's not a small amount. And it's worth noting that when we're talking about these recovery amounts that would be going out, they are typically more in dollar terms than uh, what the person actually had there at the time, in large part because this has taken so long. We've been through something like two additional bull market bear market cycles that have each time pushed the value up. So it's worth noting that even though we're talking about recovery amounts that in like apples to apples terms are effectively 21%-ish of what a person or entity actually had within Mt. Gox, that actually this will still be a win relative to getting paid back the dollars. And it's worth noting also that Mt. Gox was complicated. Like Mt. Gox was not really designed to be a Bitcoin exchange. You know. Zach mentioned this a little bit, but Magic the Gathering, you know, online trading cards, like that was kind of the point of this. And so this was a really interesting time. It's also worth noting that Mt. Cox had at one point in time, 80% of the trading volume in crypto. So you look at someone like Binance out there today, who are absolutely enormous players in the market. Mt. Cox was bigger than that in percentage terms. And so again, it's weird because had this been resolved in, say, two years, then people would have lost a lot of money, relatively speaking. But because it's dragged on so long, paradoxically, it's kind of, it's an okay thing, right? It's like, it's, it's a savings mechanism, <laughs> which is bizarre kind of to think about, but it, it happens. It's the Great coma plan. strategy in, in crypto. Will, I saw you, go for it. Yeah, two points. The one thing I want to bring up is,
3: remember that Fidelity folklore tale about like, the best clients they had in terms of performance were those who are dead or forgot the password to their account? This story kind of feels like that, right? You forgot the coins; totally. they're locked up in Mount Gox, and now you take a big earning on top of it. And one other point to make here, in terms of the coins, one hundred twenty thousand Bitcoin—that's equivalent to like a lot of the firms that we're uh, familiar with now in headlines, like uh, the micro strategies of the world. If you look at Bitcoin miners in general, like the ones with the largest stack, only have about between eight and ten thousand Bitcoin—not very much. But oftentimes we blame Bitcoin miners or blame others who hold Bitcoin for influencing the price of Bitcoin going up and down. So I think Mt. Gox certainly does influence it a lot more than a lot of these other entities which hold Bitcoin because it's a lot of Bitcoin to talk about.
1: You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com subject line The Hash or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player.